Hello and thank you for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball Hour. No. Here we go. Opening day was yesterday. We actually have two been watching baseball already so far. Yeah, one of my good news is that the wonderful people at T-Mobile, not a sponsor of this show, but... We have the right color on our logo. They really should sponsor us just true. for that. The pink. So yes, they gave We're away... We're open to sponsorship. ...to all of their customers free MLB.TV, which is like over $100 value. You can watch any out-of-market games you want. So we are all over that Nesson, who is still using their, like, 90s graphics. Yes. Same sponsors that they've had they, for 20 years. And they got rid of the wrong host. Bring back Don Orsillo. Oh, Don Orsillo. Justice for Orsillo. Hashtag Justice it. for Don. Um, so, yeah, that's one of my good news, is that I know probably in a month I'll be like, bleh, baseball. But right now it's It's like it's the fun. one sport I missed, though, when we were in Australia. And you always... Treat it as a good background activity. It is. Like, yeah. when you're on your computer and I'm, like, I'm on my phone or whatever, like, it's yeah. a nice thing to have on in the background. Cheers, mate. Cheers. We're drinking some cider this week. Yep. Um, I have a bad news of this, or just a bad personal note from this week. Okay, hit Something me. I learned what as did an you adult. Learn? That one of the worst experiences you can have is going to the dentist while hungover. Yeah, you didn't look great that day. My God, you told me that I looked like an aging rock star, I think is the way you put it. <laughs> like a little too much drugs and not enough sleep. Yeah. Because um, I had my big hoodie on and my sunglasses. Yeah. My hair kind of greasy, as you nicely called it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like the worst things were a hangover. No one commented on you. They just gave you looks or what? Just gave me like, a, oh, how are you, how are you today? <laughs> I'm okay. Um, but just like bright lights and like harsh noises are the two worst things mm. for a hangover and then dentists they have that light in your face and like they use this ultrasonic like tool thing in my mouth that i swear was just designed to torture hungover people yeah. it emits this like really high-pitched squeaking noise in your on your teeth that just like goes straight to your brain and they had to smell your breath the whole time and they had too. to smell my breath the whole time yeah and then i had to get a lecture about electric toothbrushes yeah, our dentist is really pushing it hard. They must get a commission or they're in, something. They're in bed with a big electric toothbrush. Really, though? Yeah. Um, anyways, mm-hmm. my other big personal news is that I've been writing again. Yeah, for the first time I in didn't years. think you were ready to announce that on, uh, well, I'm on only this saying major it, platform. I'm only saying it because the only person that's probably likely to read it is sitting right next to me. And one of our and past guests and past her, esteemed yeah. guest, Elizabeth. Mm. It's all her fault, per usual. Um, I won't say anything more about it now, but I'm happy with myself that I'm just getting back into I'm writing. I'm very happy for you. Because since I finished my book like three years ago, I've not really written anything major. Yeah. So, big step for me. It's going that, as... That last book is Last Candidate Standing, <laughs> still available for... It's a steal on Amazon. Yeah. Like, all those book Twitters who are like, oh, today is deals of the day. Like, this is a deal of every day. <laughs> Thanks, honey. Okay. Uh, so it's going as well as can be expected, meaning every five minutes, I just doubt everything and want to throw my That's how it works. Window, that's, that's the best writing's part. Writing's the worst. You had, like, a day of, like, the writing honeymoon, though. Well, you, you were just, just mad that I that. wrote, like, 3,000 3, words in one sitting. Okay, let's move on. Um... Anyways, one more serious thing that I wanted to do as a bit of an intro slash maybe the good news yeah. was the March for Our Lives last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, we did not podcast like last weekend because it was my birthday yeah. and we had a visitor. Um, so 
the only bad news aspect of March for Our Lives is that it was on my birthday. Yeah. So I kind of had already Dampened it a bit. had other plans to celebrate my birthday, um, which is a flimsy excuse, I'm aware. But I just am very impressed by all of these students. Like, I think if you look at it as a protest or a mo movement, you're like, yeah, that's great. Look, like, well done. Mm -hmm. If you stop and think about it, of your high school self yeah. in this spotlight and organizing it, I just can't even, like, I just start to have a panic attack just thinking about that. Yeah. Like, thinking about me as, like, an adult person doing it is terrifying. Thinking of, like, high school Heather, who, like, could not speak in front of a classroom of her peers without, like, shaking and turning bright red. Mm -hmm. I just can't imagine, like, speaking on a national platform, being on TV and speaking at, like, that size of a rally. Yeah, it's amazing. I just can't imagine it. I just could not have done it. I literally would have puked and died. Mm. There was one girl that puked on stage. I did. That. Saw the headline, didn't click it. Yeah. She just literally, like, gags, pukes, and comes back and continues her speech. Nice. So, like, good for her. But, um, but it's also, like, if you take a step back even further than that, to think of, like, future history textbooks and how this is going to be portrayed, it's going to be, like, these students literally had to beg to not be killed yeah. in school. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. And, like, other countries looking onto it, I just can't imagine what they're thinking like people in the u.s like what a great victory for the children da, 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 da. and if you take a step back or look at it from like a different perspective you're like wow these kids are literally begging for their lives and being mocked by like adult journalists right for asking not to be shot in school yep crazy okay i feel like i should issue an apology before we go any further sure. i'm sure all of our listeners remember fondly those couple weeks last year where i was just like sick the whole time and uh -huh. my voice sounded awful and I fear that we're venturing back into that a little bit. You're so fine. I we're going on vacation. You're not voice. ill. You're fine. Yes, we may be a little bit um, spotty with updates the next couple weeks because mm -hmm. we've got some getaways planned. But we'll do our best to keep you in the loop. Yep. Do we want to go into good news and bad news? Good news, bad news. Ben already did one, but he has some more now. Okay. Well, my good news is related to the March for Our Lives thing. My good news is the series of videos of Lin-Manuel Miranda and uh, Ben Platt rehearsing for their March for Our Lives thing. Uh -huh. Do you look at my Twitter at all anymore? No. Okay. Well, there's a series. But of you should, <laughs> listeners. There's a series of little video clips of the two of them rehearsing and like mm -hmm. singing different Broadway songs. Who has more like, chemistry, Lin Manuel and Jonathan, Jonathan Graff, Graff Jonathan or Graff. Benjamin Platt? Jonathan Graff, for sure. But him okay. and Ben Platt were really cute. So mm -hmm. those videos are really funny. Okay. Do you want to do your? Do you have another good news? Uh, I'm all sports today. You that's don't why even I. Have any notes that's today. why I led with fantasy baseball, which, for the record, I did end up with Shohei Otani. So my scheme worked. Mm -hmm. I have the first pitcher hitter combo in recent baseball. I got so mad when I wouldn't. They didn't let me. Uh... His first starts tomorrow. I'm not putting him in my lineup. <laughs> he will be on the bench until I He's see him. He's gonna pitch. get a no hitter. Um, hockey update. Jordan he went to a hockey game. Well, yeah, this all ties in. Okay, Jordan Jordan Greenway, fan of the podcast, and by <laughs> that not... and by that I mean formally mentioned on the podcast because he was the first African American ice hockey player on. Olympic men's team. Sure. From Boston University. Right, that guy. Was on the BU hockey team as of uh, eight days ago and is now a member of your Minnesota Wild. Really? So they put up to that. They put up on the big screen while we were at the game, the Wild Bruins last Sunday, that they had signed Greenway to a contract. 
And I had known that they had drafted him earlier because you can draft hockey players while they were in college and sign them afterwards. Sure. So I was like, oh, he must have firmed up like his deal for next year. No, they took him from the college hockey playoffs and the next day he was on the ice for the wild. Did he graduate yet? So I did a Twitter search for Jordan Greenway, graduate Jordan Greenway class, Jordan Greenway school, and no one's concerned about this. But he has abandoned his university. Was he a, sen- <laughs> was he a senior? He was either a junior or a senior. Some, well, I think you had to stay senior, three years. But If he's a senior, then maybe he can just like finish it remotely and get his degree. Yeah, but people, this is a concern. Yeah, sports over education. It's a yeah. problem. So that's your bad news or your good news? Oh, uh, happy for him. Okay. But let's get back to school, yeah. Um, oh, I have one other hockey one, too. This one just popped news? up today, yeah. Okay. Um... So the Blackhawks, well, okay. So in hockey, you have you obviously have your primary goalie and your backup goalie. Tuka. <laughs> but it's pretty restrictive. Like the rosters for individual games are small. So you can okay. only have two goalies. Sure. So the Blackhawks, main goalie was down. Like uh, injured? Yeah. Mid-game? No, he was already out. Their okay. secondary goalie was also hurt. So they had like their third string goalie up. Tertiary, you might say. Yes. And so they had to, they had to sign an emergency backup goalie. And it was a home game. So they found this... Guy who used to play for like Western Michigan or something, and he's now 36 years old. He's an accountant, mm-hmm. but he plays in a rec league. And so they're like, just come here, you'll go in the booth upstairs, and you know, we just have to pay you to be in the building. How sick would that be if that's your life? Wait, so third period comes around, and the goalie on the ice got cramps, had to come off. No, the guy suited up and saved seven out of seven shots Seriously? in the third period. Yeah. What an amazing story. When's the movie about that? I know. And so, like, the crowd is chanting his name. He got, like, player of the game, like, officially from the NHL. What a ludicrous thing to have to happen to you. Can you imagine? You're an accountant. And then they're just like, then Wild's like, hey, we need you as a backup. And you're just like, okay, crazy. Best day of my life. Okay. And then you, like, go in and make saves. On the ice against professional hockey players. How clutch is he? Yeah. Is he just going to go back to his rec league now? So, yeah, this, Does he get a real jersey? Does he get I, signed? Does I he think get a one of my questions was, did they stitch on letters when they didn't think he was going to actually need the Probably jersey? Probably not. You have to look. I wonder if there's just a number. Yeah. So I'm assuming this is a true story. I just read it on NPR.org, which seems reputable. But yeah, With it's just crazy. The Blackhawks? Chicago? Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So those are my good news. I got a great bad news sports related, but... Okay. I'll do a couple of my bad news first. Okay. Um, this bad news isn't so much a hot take as just a sentence. Mm-hmm. Ben Affleck's back tattoo. Wow. Saw way too many headlines. <laughs> clicked way too many of them. Meaning one was too many. Too many. Um, did you see the thing about the, the white rhino? The northern white rhino? Yes. And the picture of his friend with him in his last dying yeah. moments. Extinction is real and it's happening and it's mostly human caused. Yeah. And it's sad. Um... This whole bullshit again about banning trans people from the military. Yeah. That's all I have to say about it. Yeah. Um, do you want to do your bad news? Because my other bad news is the we're going to do a little bit of an interlude after this. So okay. So your bad news first. Um, mate, Australia, cricket. Oh, what happened? What's your take? You, I, we talked about it already. What? The Australian national cricket team oh, yeah. found guilty, very evidently guilty, of cheating. Be better at cheating. Be better at cheating is my take off of it. Like, so just to catch people up, if you're not all up in the in the cricket <laughs> news, world. well, it's like a global story. So people have compared it to like 
Global minus the U.S. Nobody here knows anything about cricket. Nobody right. gives a shit about cricket here. Yeah, but people are comparing it to like if you know Babe Ruth was caught with steroids, or it's like equivalent to like Lance Armstrong doping. It's like your heroes and like a national figure just and like totally disgracing themselves. Yeah, rep- disgracing your country. Right. So, so the they were playing. The whole team wasn't on it, right? right? So they were playing a test match, which we lived in Australia for. Three years. I still have no idea it's what a Russian test is versus Olympics whatever. Of athletes of Russia. All over yeah, they're going to have to become the cricket athletes of Australia. Yeah. Um. So they were playing in India, I think, and and yeah, they were using an object, some sort of sandpaper object, to scuff up the uh, the ball in order to make it bounce differently on the pitch. Like how? Like there's cameras on you. Right. And so the bowler throwing the ball gets caught on camera rubbing this thing against the ball and then the re- the umpire comes over to confront him about it and the camera shows him taking the object and stuffing it down the front of his pants into his crotch area. Was that planned ahead of time as what so, to do if you get caught? Well, and this is the worst part of the story is that then the captain, Steve Smith, who is the one cricket name I actually recognize because he's like a legend in Australia... He goes to the media afterwards and says, yep, the team talked about it ahead of time and we thought this was a good idea and that we wouldn't get caught and would give us an advantage. Like, I'm all for for direct honesty, but what a terrible leader. What a terrible captain. Also, there are, like, did they practice different ways to do it and this was the least obvious way? Like, (sighs) couldn't you just, like, grow along, put a fake nail on and scratch it or something? Or somehow attach it to your thumb or something. Or, like, up your sleeve. Like, there's got to be a more subtle way. So, yeah, they're just an embarrassment for the country and an embarrassment of that whole sporting world. Yikes. Hmm. All right, what's this special project My you've been working on? My bad news is um, pop culture brackets. Have you, Ugh, yeah, those have are you seen them bad. on Twitter? There's like a thing going around now, and I am totally against them, except that I thought it would be really fun to do one of all the podcasts, the things we've done in the podcast. So would we be rank- ranking our our performance on the podcast or just the things that we've talked <laughs> no, about? No, the things that we've talked about and like which ones we like. Like, what would our winner be of the movies we Got talked it. about, the TV shows we talked about, and the books we've talked about? Got it. So, I've rigged up a bracket for us. Oh, good lord. You, like, signed... Did you give an email address and some <laughs> shit? Yes. Oh, good lord. To some sketchy website. So, I don't think it would actually be very fun over the podcast, but what I'm going to do is post the brackets on our Twitter as uh-huh. well as our answers to them. So I'll post a blank one so our like listeners can play along. Okay. Um, but I'll also post our results, and, uh, and we can maybe announce on the next podcast what our uh, top movie, book, and TV show that we've talked about are. Wow. That's what I was working on last night. Gotcha. I thought it was connect- I thought it was going to be connected to, we're like close to a one-year anniversary. Uh, pretty close. This podcast was born on a on like, an Easter weekend hike. I was going to say like the a Catholic anniversary or Christian yeah. anniversary. So yeah, we're close. We don't have 52 episodes, but we're almost in the 40s. We are. So yeah, I have these brackets for us. So we've done 32 movies, including today. Okay. 32 books and 14 TV shows. But I hate most of the things we talk about, so I guess it's going to be which do I hate less in some cases. Yeah. Cool. I can't wait. <laughs> I know you're giving me that face right now, but I thought it would be fun to do it for our what we've talked about. Because hmm. we often just compare them within an episode and not across the whole. True. Well, yeah. Maybe if, if maybe next week is our anniversary, we can 
do some recap coming up. At well, some this point. would fit in yeah. for that. So I'll post them on our Twitter and I'll post our responses, assuming I can figure out how to do it from the sketchy website I've picked. Dilly dilly. No, still don't get it. All right. So this week we were talking about two movies. Yeah. Two movie adaptations. Right. Of books. Yes. So we're we're talking about four things really. Two movies, two uh, books. Three things really, because we've already talked about one of the books. On True. The podcast. True. So, which one did you want to talk about first? Should we talk about the... Um, I think we should do Wrinkle in Time first. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say the opposite, but I'll go with... That's I'll fine. With Opposites attract. Um, so, we are going to be talking about A Wrinkle in Time, the movie adaptation. Yeah. If you liked the movie, this might be the time to turn off this podcast. <laughs> we don't have very many positive you know, things to say about it. Well, I might take some of that back. You're taking... Okay. So, go mm-hmm. ahead. So I I had this book read to me as a as a little child. I have I had absolutely no memory of it whatsoever. Then we saw the movie about two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and then you pushed me to read the book because it's so short. And some of your complaints were yeah. A lot of my complaints. So I read the book series as a probably elementary or middle a little schooler. Tight. Yeah. Um, Really remembered loving the book series. Reread the whole series like three or four years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. Did not like it upon rereading it. Did right. not work for me. Um, so I'm coming at it from a different perspective of you, but mm-hmm. a little bit of a kind of jaded perspective of that. I had really fond nostalgia for it from yeah. when I liked it as a, as a kid and didn't like it so much as an adult. So I did, didn't love the source material and I was not enthused about the movie. I had right. very low hopes. So, so I, uh... I had complaints that were specific to how they... In- they interpreted or adapted it. A lot of your complaints were based on the source material. Yeah, I mean, watching the movie, I was like, "Wow, this is just this just doesn't work." Like, wh- what are they going for? And then reading the book, I'm realizing that, you know, they did what they did with what they were working with. I and, disagree with you a little bit there, but go ahead. Yeah, I just think the book doesn't make a ton of sense, so why should I have been surprised that the movie doesn't make a ton of sense? I, my, we'll get into more specifics, I guess, a little bit, but my biggest problem with the movie, so I re-skimmed the book, I'd say, the other night, Um, and my biggest problem with the movie and what didn't work for me was the ending of the movie. Mm -hmm. When you read the book, the ending is very stretched out, in a mm. good way. And in the movie, I thought it was way too rushed and it didn't really let you um, take in the message or the meaning. So the the point of kind of the ending of it is that she finds her, spoilers, she finds her dad. Right. And he can't just magically fix everything. Like Correct. she was a lot younger when her dad left and she has this idea that once she finds him, all of her problems are going to disappear. And the kind of point is that she has to solve her own problems. She can't rely on someone else to fix things for her, even though she's just a kid. Like she, like nothing's going to, not everything's going to be fixed by her dad coming back. Yep. But I found in the movie that was so rushed. She finds her dad mm-hmm. immediately. Like the dad tries to test her away and then she fights the tester and then she's inside the it's brain. And then she's fighting with Charles Wallace and then they're back in her yard and then her dad is there and then her mom is there and then the movie's over. Yeah, so the word rushed, uh, you know, came to me both with the movie and the book, though. The whole, and I know it's set up to be a, a children's book, so it has to, like, move quickly, but I'm never one to say that movie needed to be longer, but this was, like, an hour and a half, and it's just, like, boom, they're meeting some weird witches, boom, they're on a different planet, boom, she found her father, boom, 
That's it. And I was fine with the boom, the witches are there, boom, they're on a weird planet, because that's how it is in the book. I yeah. was not fine with boom, end. Because in the book, it they they leave Kamazot, yeah. go to a different planet, and they, she has time to kind of process that her dad and Calvin, mm -hmm. which is important things in the movie, they kind of just, he just disappeared for the last 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Her dad and Calvin like made the choice to leave, to leave, regroup, and then go back and try and save Charles Wallace. Right. And in that kind of interlude in the book, you get, you get a chance to kind of let it sink in or process the fact that like, she doesn't agree with the decision that her dad made and that her dad coming back didn't solve everything. And she has to make the conscious choice. Like she has the choice to not go back for Charles Wallace or to go back for him. Yeah. Like she has time and space to sit there and think about it and is given the option and decides like it's one of the biggest moments in the book is when she decides I can do this. Nobody mm -hmm. else can do this. I can do this. In the movie, that is so rushed. She literally like, is fighting with her dad who magically knows how to test her and then she knows how to test her and then fighting with her dad and then she he leaves and she thing, doesn't. Yeah. It just doesn't... I, I feel like it happened too quickly to let it sink in that I... The, the, the main message of you need to save yourself. Yeah. Like they spent the whole movie telling both Meg and the audience that you wore your save yourself, but they don't actually give it any space to breathe and give you a second to let that sink in when it happens yeah. in the plot. The movie had lost me well before then, so I guess that's why I'm not too hung up with how they did the conclusion. Well, I just, in the movie, I they lost me, you know, five minutes in, in the movie, so ten minutes in. As soon as Chris Pine disappeared, they lost me. So, oh, yeah, he was good. He like, good. hot dad beard scientist Chris Pine? Yeah. That is like... Right. Yeah, right like I that, wanted like. to watch the movie of him, of him in his science mode and doing all these talks and trying to convince people of this stuff. That was that he just was, got a glimmer yeah, of it. The first that's five it. minutes, I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm into this." And then yeah. as soon as he disappeared, everything kind of went to shit. So yeah, it lost it for me early on. But when I went back and re, you know, read through the book, I was just struck by how much the ending is more impactful and different in the book compared to how they did it in the movie. So yeah. I'd be interested to see if there was a longer cut. Or if that was just how it was adapted into the screenplay. Yeah, I, I assume that when I went to read the book that they must have cut out a lot of like the journey bit and they didn't really. They're, they really only hit up one planet and then the planet where the dad is is stuck. And it just never feels like a big, big adventure story to me. Like, And as a kid, I remember that it did. Right. So I don't know if just that perspective is off from when you're a kid and you're like, wow, they're on a different planet. And like, yeah. It doesn't seem as kind of limited as it does when you read it as an adult. Yeah. But. All right. So let's get into the movie so a little bit then. Some po Should we do some positives about the movie to balance this out a little sure, bit? Sure. The little girl is fantastic would be my first positive. Yeah. Storm Reed. What a good name. Good name. Um, so she was fantastic. She was a really good choice for Meg. Um, and it didn't bother me that Charles Wallace was like meant to be adopted. And it didn't bother me. No. It didn't bother me that um, she didn't have the older brother's. Yeah, there's twins in the so, in the book who I assume have a bigger role in later books, but they, they do nothing. They are in this the only one. ones in the either second or third book. Okay, so um, it's kind of like Narnia, where like it yes, jumps around, where yeah. some of the characters have their own features and stuff. Yeah. Um. So that didn't bother me. Um. I, I actually liked Charles Wallace. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, he gets on your nerves a little bit, but that's and the the, the actor, yeah. But I think he was doing what the director told him to do for sure. And he was doing his best. He's like seven. Yeah. Um, Zach Galifianakis is not at all like the thing in the book, but that was wow. hilarious. He can teach me yoga anytime. Yeah, I was like, 
I was like, it, the movie was losing me at that point, and then I was like, okay, Hold I'll go with it a bit, yeah. for now, and then after it lost me again. But I would say the Zach Galifianakis cameo added to the movie for me. I thought it was funny and kind of kept with the like uh, enough of kind of a weird tone yeah. that I was fine with it. What what did not work for me? What was super distracting was the misses, Oprah yes. and Reese Witherspoon, Mindy Kaling, fantastic. Uh, well, okay. I really? I thought that was one of the worst acting performances of anyone of all time was Mindy Kaling. I, but I thought it worked for the, okay. Then I went and read the book and I was like, wow, okay, it was not as bad as I thought. That's just a terrible, like, she just has terrible dialogue. Yes. And I mean, they changed the dialogue and added some modern references. And I do think, um, it would have, one of our listeners said this to me, would have been better with some of the original languages because I thought it was yeah. cool in the book that they she spoke in Greek and Latin and whatever and it, it couldn't like Mindy King would have like six lines of dialogue it couldn't right. have been that hard to memorize a Greek phrase but um she was the only one that worked for me as a Mrs. like yeah no I bought kind of the look and feel yeah Reese Witherspoon so distracting yeah. I did not like her at all in it Oprah what the hell I Oprah with the sequins and yeah. like the the costumes look cheap. The like makeup and stuff right. was they could ridiculous. have they could have hired a different actor and used that extra money to do better makeup, better costumes, and not have it be a ninety five percent green screen movie. Yes, like I I'm pretty sure they shot that in New Zealand. Like, why do you need so much green screen? New Zealand is yeah. gorgeous as it is, and like. When you read the book and the description of what Reese Witherspoon's character is supposed to turn into, yeah, and then you see the, the fucking the flying piece of lettuce that they turned her into in the movie, yeah, that the leaf dragon thing, right? Awful. She's supposed to be like a beautiful centaur dragon unicorn. Yeah, the witches just come off as so so bizarre in the book that it's just now I get it why people said this can't be adapted to a movie. It's just not. It doesn't translate to. To something you could picture in real life. It doesn't. And the way that they tried to have famous people, I guess, to have more of a draw to see the movie or something. Yeah. Are you still really seeing Oprah floating in the sky? For a few days, you were still having flashes like, of her. Like, horrifying. Horrifying. <laughs> um, and, like, Calvin in the movie. I know other people have remarked on this. And I understand he was just, like, white boy third wheel. Yeah. But... In the book, he at least had some more decision-making power and... Uh, I liked his arc in the book much more. Yeah, in the book, he's like, I just have a feeling that I'm supposed to go with this, and you can kind of buy it. In the movie, it was just like, why is this kid here? Yeah. Like, how did he stumble into this again? And I think that they tried to get away from too much of, like, spiritual or religious or psychic weird shit in the movie. They really wanted to be, like, science. But yeah. in the book, both Charles Wallace and Calvin are meant to kind of have these, like, you know... Um, ESP kind of yeah. extrasensory Senses, powers yeah. where they can kind of just feel like something bad's going to happen or can get a vibe from people. And like I didn't, that did not work in the movie. And I think they intentionally cut it out. Mm. But yeah, it just made Calvin very useless. Um, I think he does need to play Chris Colfer in some some biopic some of his life biopic. though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, possibly. I thought mm. he reminded me of um, from... Girl Meets World, the one that I liked. Oh, yeah. A little bit. And Girl Meets World was in the movie, too, for some reason. That was the other strangest part, was <laughs> that they tried to do this, like, kind of modern 
high school mean girls thing that yeah there's like a throwaway line in the book that meg gets bullied at school or whatever and then they tried to make that into like a whole character arc of like this girl only bullies you because she hates herself right and then calvin with his like dad hates him or something so in the book Ugh. there is a flash to calvin's mom hating him so that actually wasn't completely off base Ooh, but but there's um, i would argue with that it's not calvin's mom hating him it's just she's, she's just kind of mean. emotionally abusive because right. she has like 18 kids yeah um, and I think that works better for Calvin's character and it makes more sense as to why he can just like disappear for True. however long is that like he's one of whatever, 11 or 12 kids and he's kind of like the forgotten kid. So he's just like, sure, I'll go on an adventure in the movie. You're just like, why, why aren't you at home? Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I guess I was just sitting in the theater, like thinking, what are young kids thinking when they're sitting here watching this? Like, I, I can't piece it together. I know you're not supposed to really be able to follow the logic of the other worlds or anything. And it just didn't scream, like, fun kids movie to but me. But in, mo- in, the, in the movie, they seem to try and make it very science-y, like, with the intro with Chris Pine and stuff. Yeah. But then they didn't actually include some of the science from the book. Like, the book explains a little mm. bit more why it's called A Wrinkle in Time. They, like, was there even a line in the movie about it called A Wrinkle? Uh, maybe a little bit when they're explaining the test rack, so but they, they don't really about talk about the dimensions. A wrinkle in time and like a wrinkle in space, so that they can jump from place to place, and that 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 like the time, like they're not going to be missed back on Earth. And they go into it a little bit more yeah. in the book, and I understand that maybe wouldn't translate very well, but they seem to really lean into the science versus like the spiritual or yeah. feeling side of it. But then they didn't even follow through with the science. But everyone warned me that Wrinkle in Time, the book, was heavy-handed Christianity. And it's not. Is it the later ones when it gets super religious? I mean, there's a lot of lines in here about uh, about God's plan and quoting scripture and stuff. Yeah. But then, I don't know if it's the next one. The one called Many Waters. It's okay. literally Noah's Ark. Because they mentioned so that. So Sandy and Denny go yeah. to back basically to Noah's Ark. And that's the entire huh. book. Yeah. So they, um, they mentioned that Jesus is like one of the early fighters of the dark side or whatever in the book. But that's really the extent of it. Um... Huh. Okay. I'm a little surprised that these books are were so popular. I mean, they were written in the 1950s, so like they they're were, pretty futuristic and like pretty very innovative, I think for the time, but they were like accessible at least the first one female-led like kind of fantasy light or sci-fi light. Yeah. Sci-fi light. Okay. For a, like a middle school audience. Yeah. So it's like it's a girl who likes science who's like in the main as the main character. Right. And it's, yeah, like kind of light fantasy. Yeah. Uh, sorry, light sci-fi. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, what else did I have Any to say? Any other thoughts? Um, my only other thought was that the movie didn't do a very good job of making the Camasot's planet, like, creepy enough. Like, in the book, it goes a lot further into, like, how everyone has to conform. Yeah. And how there's this, like, central. Central intelligence. I, yeah. Intelligence. And when they were calling the it, when I read it in the book, it was IT. IT. Right. I kept waiting for, like, some computer jokes and stuff, and I was like, oh, wait, this is the 1950s. Yeah, but I, I called it IT when that I was, was reading funny. the book. funny. Me too. Yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, they turned Camazots into, like, a beach spring break party scene in the movie. Strange. With the man with the red eyes. Um, so, yeah. And it's really like a kind of intense scene in the book where they're trying to fight off. Like, they're yelling nursery rhymes back and forth and yeah. trying to fight off, like, being overtaken by it. And in the movie, they just totally pass all over. Charles Wallace immediate, immediately goes, two times two is four, two times three is six, and it's just gone. Yeah. Like, there's no fight at all. There's no, there's not, like, this intense kind of back and forth with it. He's just gone, and then they just go from there. And 
Yeah, the the some of the challenges and struggles that they come up against in the movie are are quite laughable. Like the one with the Zach Galifianakis character. Basically, if everyone can do a yoga pose together, then they were going to solve all their issues. Yeah, and it's like, oh, she can't hold the pose for long enough. Oh no, that that means something bad about her character. Yeah. And then, yeah, they have the, the challenge on the beach with whether they should eat the forbidden food or not. And then she has to find the hidden staircase. But it's just like the stakes are supposed to be so high, but it just doesn't it match translate, up. didn't yeah. no. So, yeah, I thought they didn't do... There wasn't plenty of details in the book to make camisots really creepy. And I thought that they kind of skipped over, skimmed over a right. lot of them and that didn't... They do the suburban scene with the bouncing balls, which is creepy, but yeah. But that's it. Yeah. And they don't really talk about how the whole point of camisots is that like you need to conform and that like everyone is the same and that's what makes you quote unquote happy is that everyone being the same. It was supposed to be presenting like a dystopia kind of thing. Yeah and they really just skipped over that like they didn't they didn't make that clear at all in the movie I didn't think. Um I just I wanted to like the movie. Like I saw a lot of things about um, like representation Mm -hmm. and like it is really powerful that the main character is a girl of color with like natural hair and the point of it is to love yourself and and be a warrior and believe in yourself so i wanted to like that and yeah. i like that message being out there but it just was Oof. a bad movie it's yeah. just a bad movie i guess like people are saying that disney has these you know bombs on occasion like tomorrowland is the last one that's mm-hmm. like sort of similar where they're like this is gonna be a futuristic cool new movie did this really bomb though I didn't actually see the box office results. I think it has, yeah. Like, I don't think it bomb-bombed, though. Like, I don't think it's, like, um, John Carter bombed. That was the other one that people compared it to, was Tomorrowland and John Carter. I don't think it John Carter bombed. Let's see. Wrinkle in Time. This will tell us the numbers, right? So it was a TV movie in 2003. Was it? And some of the reviews have said that it should should have been, like, a Disney Channel movie. Um, I'm interested to know, are they going so the, to make the other ones? Probably not. So the budget was $103 million, Opening weekend was $33 million, And so far it's only made 39 which means it's been out for a month. <laughs> that's and it's only bad. made $6 million since then. So it then. didn't even make half of their no. budget. Yeah, that's a bit of a bomb. Yeah. And it's, it's a shame because I don't want it to mean that Ava DuVernay doesn't get another chance at directing and I don't want it to mean that Storm Reed like doesn't get another chance to lead a movie because yeah I don't it's I at don't know 4.2 on IMDb I don't know that whose fault bad. it was I, I don't know if it was the adaptation if it was the directing if it was like just too much special effects and not an, my biggest takeaway was too much special effects and not enough substance yeah that's fair but yeah I don't know even whose fault it was but yeah okay Whew. So. Second half now. Do we want to take a break for our sponsor? Yeah, we could. So you can make a free account on bookdigits.com. That's B-O-O-K-D-I-G-I-G-I-G-I-G-I-G-I-G-I-G-I-G-I-G-I-G-I-G-I-G-I-G-I-G-I-G-I-G-I-G-I-G-I-G-I-G-I-G-I-G-I-
They smartly shortened the name. Smartly changed the name. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you want to give a little bit of a summary, or how we doing this one? Sure, we can remind the people what it's about. Yeah. Um, so, Love, Simon is like a high school romantic comedy, mm-hmm. but the twist here is that it is a gay romantic comedy, which you don't see too often. Not in this vein, at least, where it's where the biggest drama is... Like, dealing with his high school friends. Like, there's not a larger traumatic storyline of it. It's it's just meant to be a semi-lighthearted teen comedy. So Simon, or Cy, as a lot of people call him, which I don't care for. Yeah, throughout the movie, they all call him Cy. Really? Yeah. I didn't notice that. Um, So he is a senior in high school. He... Is he a senior? Yeah, it's graduation at the end. Isn't it? Pretty sure. I think so. <laughs> I don't know. Um, he was a junior. So he he knows he is gay, you know, at the beginning of the story, but he has not come out to anyone, anyone really at the yeah. beginning, his family nor his friends. So he uh, there's a big blog, like a Tumblr for the school, where they post all the gossip, like the equivalent of whatever the book is in Mean Girls, Burn that kind book. of thing. Yeah. And so, how does it start, actually? the uh, An so, anonymous person comes out as gay on the blog. Is that right? I think they're leaked as gay. An anonymous person comes out on the blog and yeah. has their email address saying that they're gay. Right. So, Simon writes an email, mm-hmm. opens a new email account, like a secret pseudonym email, and writes to this person to say, hey, I have the same secret as you. Yeah. Quick interlude, I'll just say, like, one of my favorite parts about the movie, normally in movies I cringe when they do, like, phone or computer, like, imagery, like, alongside the characters. I thought it was really well done in this movie. Like, he was using real devices, you could tell, and, like, it didn't dominate the screen, but it's still, like, you weren't just reading text and emails the whole movie. And I thought they, I really liked how they did um, the other side, the anonymous oh, yeah. person. Right, so let's fill Sorry. people in on okay. the plot a little bit more. So uh, he goes through most of the movie not knowing who the other end of this conversation is. He's just known as Blue, is his email partner. Uh, and they're talking about their lives and their you know struggles with coming out and stuff. And Simon eventually gets inspired to come out to his family and to at least one of his friends. What? Yeah. He doesn't come out to his family. Um, you're right, he doesn't. He thinks about it. True. Blue ends up Blue out comes out family. to his family, right? That's yes. what I was thinking so of. Simon comes out to one of his friends, yeah. tells Blue about it, and then Blue comes out That's to his right. dad. Um, but then the real drama kicks up. There is a school play, which I'm always on board with. <laughs> Martin, you dick. Uh, but there is a an evil, not really nemesis, he's just a buffoon, really. Yes. But he has some evil intentions because Simon makes the critical flaw of not logging out of a library computer. Mm -hmm. We've all been there. (laughs) Um, And so this theater dweeb, school mascot, gets access to Simon's emails and knows it's Simon who's talking to the anonymous Blue. So he screenshots them like an Mm. asswad. And <laughs> I've never heard you say that before. He is. That's the perfect description for him. <laughs> and holds them over Simon's head and basically blackmails him into trying to hook him up with one of Simon's friends. Right. 
And so all this time, Simon is trying to figure out who the anonymous person is. He knows he goes to his school. And like you were saying, that part was done really well in the movie because there are a few candidates. Yeah. And so the movie kind of, not really a dream sequence, but it's just like kind of a mysterious filter over the lens and has these different potential because there's like three matches. or four different potential people. Yeah, kind of people. play there's, through, play the part. There's like a waiter that they have yep, um, at that a cafe. One was good. There's um, the other theater kid, the piano player. The other theater kid. There's like the kid that sits at their lunch table that's on the yep. soccer team. And there's um, Martin himself. True. For that a one's little funny, bit, yeah. it's like a weird uh, kind of theory. So there's a couple different like candidates, like you said, or, or people that it could be, and and. As Simon is thinking, oh, maybe it's this person, and gets convinced that's who shows up in his right. like um, his imaginings of the other side of the computer. So that's the way to do like a first person story in a movie. There yeah. are some, um, you know, voiceover narration which you have to do in this type of story, but yeah. it's not overburdening and it really works well the way they mix in those other elements. Yeah. Um. So. Did you have any other comments about the movie itself and the way they did the movie? Well, I love Nick Robinson. I know you do from Boys of Summer. What's that movie um, called? What's it called? Kings of Summer, Kings of Summer yeah. Yeah. Bellagio. Um, um, so yeah, we can get into the social conversation about whether or not he should be playing the role, but he's still adorable. Yeah. Um, and you can get into the, the conversation as well of like, it's, it's nice that they... Uh, had a very diverse cast. I know that the True. main character was white and therefore like literally his only problem in his whole life was that he needed to come out. Like he right. had like just like perfect family, perfect white middle-class upbringing. <laughs> that was my takeaway at the very end of the movie. I was like, wow, if, if we can build this Midwestern life and our kids only issue is, is figuring out who they are. Like that's the best problem to have in some yeah. cases. But at the same time, it's like, I understand that. First of all, that's how the book is. Yeah. And second of all, like, just because this is, like, the only gay young adult teen movie out right now doesn't mean it has to tackle every single issue. True. Like, sometimes it's nice for there just to be, like, a lighthearted gay teen rom-com. Like, yeah. the friend that we went with is identifies as gay. Mm -hmm. And she, like, didn't want to go. Right. Because she assumed it had to involve... Like death gay, gay bashing and, or yeah, death or AIDS bullying, or yeah. bullying right. or something. And I was like, no, really. Like, really the only problem is about coming out and, like, there's an outing storyline and that's the drama and, like, everything else is fun. Yeah. Not every movie with a gay lead has to be Moonlight. Yeah. You don't all have to be bathing in the ocean, you know, and running like, into drug lords. No one would ever make that comment about a straight romance. Right. Like, why doesn't it deal with X, Y, and Z issues? Yeah. Like, straight romances are allowed to just be, like, whatever... The topic of the movie is so yeah warning if you do go to this movie with teenage girls in the Squealing. audience all the squeals. good lord yeah um so it was nice that like three of the five like lead friends were people of color mm -hmm. and that there was one of the gay love interests potentially yeah. gay love interest is a person of color true we won't spoil anything but there's a happy ending um so I thought it did a really good job kind of keeping like the tone and the f and the tone of the book and making me feel the same feelings as the book. Definitely. Like I th it did a very good job of those kind of heart-wrenching moments and um, the family scenes were really good mm -hmm. and the drama teacher was amazing. Yes, she was she awesome. She was incredible. Um, I 
they did change some stuff from the book. You know, I was but... just about to say, we did this one spot on. Like, this was the perfect amount of time to go from reading a book to seeing a movie. Yes. I knew enough of what was going to happen where I was like, like oh, I'm looking forward points. to that. Yeah. Well, I wonder how they'll do that. But when they did add new stuff, I wasn't, like, outraged or I didn't really take catch me off guard. No. And I, like, remembered the descriptions of the characters enough to be like, yeah, that, that works. my sure. image of that. Like, I thought Abby was so cute. Yeah, she was fun. Um, but at the same time, I wasn't like, they didn't describe her like that in the book. Yeah. Um, so I did go back and try and figure out what they might have changed from the book. They did change the Halloween party scene quite a bit. Okay. Um, so one of the people that Simon thinks might be his love interest, he walks in on them making out with a girl. In the movie. In the movie. What happens in the book? It doesn't happen in the book at all. Huh. I didn't think it did. No. And it did throw me off. So they they may have done that for people who had read the book. They didn't, like, have that karaoke scene and stuff. Like, I don't, like, the the Halloween scene was a bit different. Um, The homecoming thing didn't happen in the book. The football game, that was fun. I played out. Yeah, the dubs. Um, (laughs) And there was some missing scenes from the book of the theater kid, Caleb. Yeah, he didn't have much of a movie role. No, in the book he had more of a role. Um, And then I forgot about this. There was a whole gay bar scene in the in the book so oh, yeah. in the movie when he comes home drunk from the halloween party they combined that with the gay bar scene mm. because in the book he goes his friends take him out to a gay bar right and once they gets, know once yeah. they know and he gets like drunk and comes yeah. back so they combined that a little bit see didn't even think of that but i still I, it doesn't bother me like i think hmm. they still did a good job of of portraying the same kind of feelings in the same plot yeah. so they didn't have to do it scene for scene um Although I did think there could have been a better relationship build up a little bit of who it ended up being. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like in the book, because you read so many more of their emails and have more details of the emails, like you're a little bit more invested in their relationship. True. Like in the in the movie, I was very happy for the happy ending for Simon, but I wasn't really like shipping the two of them. Right. Very I kept kind of going like, okay, they connected on two or three emails, but is it really true love? Yeah. So I think in the book, because you have a chance to read more of the emails, yeah. you're more invested in their relationship, not just Simon's journey. And I thought in the movie, I ended up feeling feeling more happy for Simon versus for the two of them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, in terms of the family relationships, I think the sister had a little bit more to do in the book. She didn't really do it for me in the movie. She was mm. just a quirky cook. Mm-hmm. Um, Jennifer Garner was great, though. As we were saying after the movie, like, she's just owning that mom role now. Yes, and she's living for that. Yeah. And she makes me... Someone has... Someone wrote something on the internet that was like, every time Jennifer Gardner wears a cardigan, I know I'm about to cry. Yeah. There's been some other movies, too, where she has, like, these really emotional scenes while wearing, like, a mom cardigan. Right. No, she had to go all out for the coming out scene. She did great in that one. The dad was pretty good. I loved his struggles with slideshow programs on the computer. (laughs) And, like, yeah, he's a little bit of a contentious character in the book because he's, I mean, he's just a goofball, but he's sort of unaware still of the... And he's just kind of like a bro dad. Yeah. Or he thinks he is. Yeah. But then when he cries at the end, I almost cried. Yeah. Um, My only other thing that I disliked from the movie was I didn't remember in the book, like, all of his friends immediately hating him from the fallout. Like, I don't know if Mm. maybe I'm just misremembering that, but, like, I thought... His friends were, like, supportive at first, and then they found out about the rest of the stuff with Martin or something. Because I felt like in the movie it was hard to watch. Like, I I don't know. I just felt like 
if I was friends with someone and they like kind of screwed me over, but they were also going through this horrible outing right. thing, I would kind of like get over that and be supportive of them. Like I didn't think it read very, or I don't think it portrayed his friends very well in the movie that they all were like, yeah, you're going through some shit, but you interfered with our lives. So we're mad at you. Like, yeah. So the last, you know, 15 minutes of the movie are great, but the like 20 minutes before that, he has to very quickly lose all of his friends and get them back. And his family and get them back. Right. And it's just a lot. And he has like a hundred percent good luck getting them back. <laughs> and I know it's like very emotional to watch. Like he kind of loses everything. And like as a, if you're watching the movie as a character journey for Simon, yeah. it's like that's kind of the moment where everything falls apart. Right. And you really feel for him. But I just felt like in the book it was a little bit more balanced. Of like, sure. I know you still argue that everything cleans up a little bit too nicely in the book. A little bit. That's and, what kept it from being an A read for me. But like maybe that's the point. There can be happy gay YA stories. That's Anyways, fine. But yeah, I thought in the movie it was a little bit too much. Like, I was like, mm, ask his friend. Wouldn't you maybe get over your own personal drama to like help right. him? Put yourself he's... in his shoes as best you can. Yeah. But overall, I think it's definitely worth watching. And I think yeah. uh, I always, almost always, aside from last week. Almost, I'm not normally a box office checker, but I'm going to look this one up too. I almost so. always think you should read the book first. And I do think this is the case where you should read the book because yeah. it does build up the relationship better between him and the anonymous blue. So I think you'll feel a little bit more for their relationship if you've read the book. It's got an 8.1 on its double score of... Uh, and it must have been less budget. Yeah. Um, so I would recommend reading the book first, but I think it's a very good movie to watch. And for any uh, queer or LGBT identifying people out there, like, we've already spoiled it a little bit for you, but, like, really the biggest drama is, like, being outed and trying to figure out how to come out and how to navigate that with your friends and family. Mm -hmm. I promise you there is no, like, traumatic death scenes or gay bashing or anything like that so no there's the fun scene of when he's like deciding how gay he wants to be in terms of his outward appearance <laughs> and he goes like they have the the fake college fantasy yeah. that's a fun scene um it's made 26 million not as much as i hoped doesn't have the made? budget yeah doesn't have the budget but, but it didn't yeah. lose 60 million like certainly time. not and trivia says this is officially the first film produced by a major hollywood studio to have a gay teenage protagonist i mean a lot of them are like carol where it's like you know old like married lesbians yeah not married to each other married to men lesbians right so to have it be like a fun teen rom-com there you go. Anyway, I recommend it. And I think that even if you don't necessarily identify with, like, the coming out scenes or, like, the LGBT of it all, I think it's still, anyone can relate to kind of having a secret or not knowing how to portray yourself in high school or how to be your true self. I hope that movie's on TV in, like, two years, playing oh, on a regular be such basis. such a good TV movie. Yeah. yeah. You're welcome. Did you, do, would you recommend it? Three thumbs up. Whose thumb? Mine? <laughs> Wouldn't that be four thumbs? All right. All right. We're going to keep this one under an hour. Are we? Yeah. Okay. So I, do you have any upcomings? I, I have no notes for this week. I have one not upcoming, which is a bit okay. of Freud. How do you say it? Schadenfreude? Yeah, that Schadenfraud? thing. So when I used to be in the Twitter game. Mm -hmm. uh, I got my nine-year anniversary on Twitter today. Or yesterday. Wow, you're old. Yeah. Uh, I used to like hate follow the author Joe Hill. Yes, Nosferatu. Which, I, there's not much of a, a reasoning behind it. Like, <laughs> He's from New Hampshire or something? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Stephen King is from New Hampshire. Everyone in New Hampshire loves Stephen King. Everywhere, everyone everywhere loves Stephen King. Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge fan. Mm -hmm. Not a huge fan of Joe Hill. Finds him a little bit annoying on Twitter. 
Anyways, his comic series, Lock and Key, which everyone says is like one of the greatest comics of all time. Yeah. He was all like 100% invested into a Fox adaptation of Lock and Key like eight years ago. Yeah. It went to pilot. Fox was like, yeah, we're definitely going to pick it up. And they dropped it at like the last second. Mm. And he was devastated. And then in that moment, I was like. <laughs> Weren't you mad about a mattress one time? A mattress? He like purchased a really expensive mattress or something and you were pissed about it? Well, he bought like all of his entire house was based on um, Doctor Who, which like just everything in his house was shaped like you the telephone really box. You were pissed about his mattress one time. I think on you're Twitter. making that up. No, like before I even had a Twitter, you were very upset about him buying an expensive mattress. <laughs> oh yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> yes. I have like a really strong memory of this. You're right. That's bizarre. Anyways, Hulu... <laughs> Like, it's almost like an April Fool's Day joke. Hulu told him that we're seriously going to do Lock and Key as a full series. And they dropped it right at the last Hulu second as well. everything! I know! And Aww. it's not like they have to go to, like, a studio executive. Like, they can just fund the show or not. Poor and they dropped it at the hell. last second as well. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay. Speaking of, like, Netflix man, and I gotta Google Joel Madras. <laughs> Read those old tweets. I swear you were, like, so mad about it. Yeah, I was. So mad. And I was like, I don't even know who you're talking about. And you were just like, so angry. Okay. Um, a couple upcoming things for me. Um, Stranger Things season three. Have you read anything about it? Saw the headline, didn't click it. Um, they got a lot of money was the headline I didn't click. So it's going to be set in the summer, which is like a, like a. That's a big deal. Change because okay. the last two were set in the fall. It was supposed sure. to be Halloween and creepy. Right. Um, so it's going to be in the summer. But they're focusing on the romances between the kids. <sighs> I know. Anyway. Um, all seasons of The Great British Bake Off are going to be on Netflix. I thought that already happened. There's only two seasons oh, on there. Oh, good lord. So whenever we get Netflix back, that's such a good one to put in the background. I do love Bake Off. Okay. Um, a League of Their Own is going to be a TV series on Netflix. Okay. Meaning the softball? Yes. Cautiously optimistic because I feel like that would be really good episodic TV. Uh-huh. Because like... Anything that's sports related, I think, is really easy to make it episodic. Yeah. Um, I am a little bit hesitant because, like, the original is such a classic that, like, why would you even want to change that or touch that? Let's just bring back pitch. Huh? Right? I just want pitch. If I can't have pitch, I guess I'll take a leak of their own TV mm. series. I think that's also going to be Netflix, though. Um, <sighs> and one more Netflix thing. Amy Poehler is going to have some sort of movie on Netflix okay. called Wine Country. And I feel like it'll probably be terrible because I feel like the only thing I've ever really liked Amy Poehler in is um, both Parks and Rec and Weekend Update and everything else. I'm like a little bit disappointed by her. Well, are they still doing that weird Nick Offerman yes. show about building things? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, the last thing I have to say is that the Frozen musical on Broadway looks yeah. so fucking good. I really want oh, to see it. Oh, good. I thought you were going to say the opposite. It looks amazing. Like, the effects look really cool, and, like, the songs look really good, and, like, uh-huh. the chorus, and the townspeople, and I saw, like, a little clip of it, and it looked amazing. I would definitely see it. Huh. Joe Hill's tweeted a lot about mattresses, but mostly involving Paul Ryan. That's... No, this would have been, like, literally... I was looking for... Tw- trying to get back to 2010, yeah. So, nine years ago. Wow. So 2009. Why was I so angry He about? must have deleted it. Must have. He, like, got a really expensive mattress and was kind of, like, com- like complaining about his expensive mattress. Yeah. And talking about how he bought this expensive mattress and had to get it in his house. He, like, didn't like it or something. 
He was like basically like humble bragging right. about about this match. Probably before humble brag was a was a word, and I was just. But he was like complain come- bragging mm-hmm. yeah. about his mattress and like how much money it cost and how like didn't like it or something. Okay, Anyways. I feel I feel like that's that's enough yeah. about Joe Hill. Did you have any other upcoming things? Um, no. That's it. That's it. All right. So, uh, yeah, we may be a little bit sporadic this upcoming We're month. We're going to do a live episode from Harry Potter World in Orlando, Florida. We could. I think we should do voice memos over our trip. I don't know about that. About It'd what? It'd probably be, come out terrible. About what? We'll think about it. Um, so, we will post those brackets on Twitter and <laughs> if I can figure out how and fill them out. And you can, we would seriously love for you to fill them out and send them back to us, anyone who's actually listens to this. Or send money. <laughs> or send money or send reviews on iTunes. Sure. Um, but anyways, thanks for listening and we'll be back at you soon. We've got plenty of stuff upcoming for the podcast. Uh, so we'll be back at you soon. And uh, Ow! as always, I tried to fit a bar on my mouth. Stop. That's one cider. As always, check out our Twitter at DDGetDown and my Twitter is at Heather324. And my Twitter is at Joe underscore Hill. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Hashtag mattress. No. Uh, so thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Bye. You gotta get down with the get down. Well now, get down, get down, earth, get down, whoa, whoa, get down, earth, get down, whoa, whoa. Maybe we can talk our neighbors into doing the same thing. Get down, get down, get down, get down. Get down. Get down.